Welcome back to the Masters of Recon podcast, your top automotive refinishing podcast with your hosts, Corey Kleinfeld and Ryan Brewer. Enjoy the show, guys. Welcome back to the Masters of Recon podcast. Today, we are very excited as, a, as we continue pursuing the knowledge in the collision PDR, uh, the collision industry and how PDR fits into that. We've invited Jordan Hendler on from CIC. She is the organizer of CIC and has been involved with the organization since 1998 when her and her dad both were a part of, I believe, starting it. They've been around since the very beginning of 1998. So welcome to the show, Jordan. Super excited. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my dad uh, was actually one of the founders. It's This is Collision Industry Conference's 40th year in existence. So really happy to be here. So started off um obviously cic collision industry conferences what 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 do you what do you do so collision industry conference is a forum so it's an open forum open dialogue meeting it's not the traditional learning environment that most people are used to so a collision industry conference has meetings four times a year throughout the country it could be in april and july anywhere this week we just came off of meetings that happened to be held in richmond virginia which is where i'm from and we had a full week of um also related industries uh related organizations having their meetings as well even so in collision industry conference it's made up of about 12 to 14 committees on every subject you can imagine human resources estimating repair planning uh emerging technologies and what they do is they bring in presentation materials, special guests that are, you know, subject matter experts or experts in the field, or they have these panel discussions where they're going through current industry issues, trying to understand more, uh, bring, shed more light into things. And at the national level, the coolest thing about it is every segment's represented, repairs, insurers, vendors, PDR folks, you know, uh, suppliers of products. So you can just imagine, you know, 400 of your closest high level peers in one room together, you know, really literally hashing out issues. But one of the other things is every single attendee has the right to go up to the microphone, ask questions, um, insight further dialogue, insight further issues to bring up to the body. You know, they can ask their own questions. It's pretty amazing to see, you know, a VP of an insurance company versus, you know, a small, you know, one or two man operator have the same right to speak in a room that of that caliber. So um, that's like the that's cool. really Reader's Digest version of what CIC mm -hmm. is, um, what it does too. Sometimes yeah, like we, have work, we have work products, right? We have things that are best practices that come out. It's not very often but it does happen where the industry feels very passionately about a certain topic and they'll come up with these best practices to share. And so we'll post them up and, and get those proliferated throughout the industry. Can, can you think of, can you think of one? Um, a best well, practice that came out of. Yeah, there was even um, like it used to, so I'm going to, I'm going to bumble a tiny bit without looking it up, but That's I right, believe yeah. it's like the um, minimum qualifications for a class A collision center uh, was one of the things it's it's kind of gone through a couple iterations, but hey guys, here's the basic things that you need to have in order to say, hey, you know, I raise my hand mm -hmm. as a shop because as you guys know, there's no licensure pretty much anywhere, right? There's no there's no lifeguard at the pool here. So 
you know, it's it's just kind of even carriers. How do we know shop from shop? How how can we tell who's doing it right and who's not? What are some benchmarks we could look for? So there's things like that. Those are all collaborative efforts. Every segment. It's pretty amazing. It is the Wild West, and we're very aware of that. Yes. Um, what do you? There's definitely benefits to that. I think. Yep. Um, can you t give us your opinion on the benefits to being self-regulated and the downsides? If you can. Sure. You have some? So here's the ups and downs, in my opinion, and I know how to yeah. like this one. Perfect. So, so the the positive is no one then is right going into yeah. shops and you know coming hard down on them, but the converse is you have a lot of operators who don't have any of the equipment necessary to fix a vehicle of today. Probably in the last 20 years, I'll be honest. Since 2002, they probably shouldn't be touching them. You know, we got a lot of cinder block paint booths. You know, we got a lot of, um, I don't even have a frame machine. I don't even have a spot welder. Why, do you, why are you touching a car? Right. Yeah. So in my opinion, there is a minimum, but those guys are under the radar. So if you were to implement these regulatory bodies, well, they're going to go to the most visible ones who are more likely to be doing it right already. Yeah. Right. So it's the yeah. people. So it's it, there would be good and bad with it. And I've even seen where like Nevada, for instance, had a class A, class B, class C um, rating for shops. They're one of the few states that tried to do this. And it really kind of backfired. And this is this is what we would worry about. It backfired in the way of, well, then carriers would say, well, all of the, we're going to call them easy repairs, they say. We know them as to be the most profitable repairs, right? The smaller the repair, more profitable it is. Those huge hits, they're morale killers. You know, they mm -hmm. can have a lot of co complications and comebacks. Mm -hmm. So, the problem was then the really, really good shops who got the class A certification. Got all the freaking knob drives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so careful what you ask for. <laughs> but it does seem so like why, there could be a minimum bar here somewhere. For sure. Right. Obviously jump in, jump in whenever. But um, why why 2002 specifically? Should, should, um, did you pick a number? So it's about that time. So people always think, oh, it's just the last four years, right? Oh, it's just the last five years. But like ADAS, you know, mm. from it's from, all the electronic equipment basically yes. is what yeah. 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 Vehicles that have um lane departure warning. Yeah. If you if you yeah. don't know how to reset that, get out. Yeah. Like you are yeah. not you are not in our industry. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Podcast over, guys. Yeah. All you need. Well, how about we don't say get out? How how about we say get better? Get, get yourself better, educated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, understand what it means to say, oh, it's a 20-year-old vehicle. It's mm -hmm. no big deal. You, yeah, you put your your wife and kids in it. How are you going to feel then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When it doesn't tell you the car's over there with the little light. That's it, yeah. it, right? It's all it takes, it. yeah. And and we were chatting a little bit before, Ryan, and you can enlighten me too because I was, I was a few minutes. You guys were already chatting when I came in, but um, not everyone's doing that. <laughs> And, <laughs> you know, not everyone's, not everyone's doing those things. Um, no, you want to hear an interesting tidbit from this week, which I thought was one of the huge takeaways. Yeah. So, so tell them this week, you had one of your, one of the four conferences, right? Yeah. Like in Virginia. Cool. Yeah. So we just came off that conference that was here in Richmond, Virginia. 
And a lot of a lot of discussion was around electric vehicles and then a lot more around ADAS. ADAS is one of the tsunamis in our industry, right? Um, but interestingly, one of the representatives from CCC, which is the estimating platform for anybody who doesn't know, um, they actually came up to the microphone after one of the segments where they talked about, and our chairman, uh, Frank Turlip, he's with Opus IVS. He's, he is a very, very knowledgeable ADAS person. Um, highly recommend you trying to get him on your show. He's can, you, can I get the name one more time? Yeah. Frank Turlip. I'll get okay. you his information for sure. Great. But he, um, he would just came up in his opening comments and was like, guys, we suck. Like we are not recalibrating. We are not doing the diagnostics. We should be on the front end. And then therefore at the back end becomes this huge issue, right? Cars ready to go, promised it delivery for Friday, which is another mistake we could talk about later, <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's gotta go to the dealer or we're gonna do it in house either way, right? Yeah. But then it's not done. And then there are questions of who's doing it right and wrong. But the CCC rep came up to the microphone and said, hey guys, you should know a lot of the initial estimates don't even include the diagnostic scan. We're seeing it show up on supplement two, three, four, five. Yeah, six, whoops. It's like that makes seven, it up a lot of whoops. Eight, yeah. Like he's like all the way to 10. He and he goes, I want you to hear that dramatic count. Because if you didn't know that on the front end, you're definitely gonna have you, you're you are now delaying the claim. It's your fault. It, we can't always blame the carriers. Yeah, 100%. So for, for those that don't know, ADOS, I'm pretty sure, is Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and as we all know, with cars, that's only going further down that road, obviously, as things become even closer to self-driving. I have like a 2020 Expedition that's not even, I mean, it's a nice car, but it's got the lane keep it'll push you back in the in the lane like even i mean i would say like a standard vehicle my you know the mom car and it's got all, all those types of things so I'll, I'll i'll throw myself out here and say um one i've 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 been behind on this although the last year and a half or so i've i'm i think i've gotten to here let me and let me ask you if i have for me i'm very small business you know, uh, most PDR companies under a million dollars a year, probably under under three hundred thousand dollars a year if there's if there's one person. Um, what I what I'm doing, especially with insurance claims and jobs, are basically my, my criteria is if I'm taking stuff apart on a car, whether it's a door, a mirror, a lift gate, or something. Hail, obviously everything. This is guaranteed because you're taking stuff apart. If I take something apart on a car, I do a pre-scan and a post-scan, and my goal is to make sure that they match. If they don't match, I in-house am not don't have the capabilities to figure out how to solve that. But then I would send that out to get to get fixed or bring one of the one of the um, those types of companies in to fix it. Is that like the bare minimum? Get a scanner, pre-scan it, get the codes. There's apparently this is what I started doing. Like, every car has error codes, like dozens of them, and I'm like, what the heck? That's new new for me. And then post-scan it, and if they're the same, I'm good liability-wise. No, I have to fix every code on that car, even. No, I so see here's your head. You're like, no, yeah. You're <laughs> so here, here's the problem, right? Yeah. So Teach me. you you touch the trim panel, you especially when you talk about yeah. like mirrors, 
handle. Yeah, if I took if I took a door, if I gutted a door, right? Trim panel off, mirror off, you, wood glass you're for out. Sure, you're for sure recalibrating that vehicle. For sure. Like yeah. that's those all those mirrors are smart, right? Yeah. So and that's the other thing. There's things in that door, like the sensors, the radar, all of mm. that stuff. And they're all over the vehicle now. You you can't say, oh, they're just in the front. It's not just front collision warning anymore. Yeah. They're they're the whole vehicle. And again, I don't want to speak rudimentary, you know, I just want to speak plainly to everybody yeah. that could possibly be hearing us right now, right? Yeah. So when you do a pre-scan, so let's talk about that. And I am not a subject matter expert. So I'm gonna like put my asterisk. I am not an attorney. More I am expert not expert than us. Yeah, fair. But I don't work on the cars day to day. I work with the shops at like that 10,000 foot level, but I'm going to tell yeah. you what I hear every day. So what I hear every day is my, let's say even say you had the super nice snap on scanner, right? That is not going to get everything. This is like your pull-in scanner. This is your pre-repair, pre-diagnostic, right? That's the, that's the one that's suitable for that. And I think people also need to understand one part and component of this, which we hear a lot is the dummy lights on the dash are literally dummy lights. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've learned we, that. Yeah. us, our industry, we should never, we shouldn't care. Yeah. If it's on there, that's one thing. But if, if there's no errors on the dash, that does not mean that you gave that car back. Right. Rescanning it at the end also does not mean that you gave that car back right. If you Damn. pull the, I'm sorry, I'm here to, I'm here, I'm only, I'm no, only, I, I asked you. <laughs> yep. So if you pull repair procedures for your vehicle, right, and it's going to say no matter what, if you do X, Y is required, the scanner won't tell you that. So I'm going to put a call out to you guys. And here's another thing. Pulling, pulling the repair procedures, yeah, it costs money. It goes on your estimate, right? Yeah. If you're right. if you're properly researching your repair, you guys are you guys have the high level of um, caliber that you could have to be able to go, hey, just like a just like a a body shop should, not that they always do, but that yeah, they should. They do, yeah. I'm pulling all the repair procedures for this vehicle. If you're pulling anything off that car, you need to know. Right. Will it have to have a, a calibration? Will it have to have, um, you know, where you're having to have a certain amount of weight in the vehicle? Uh, will the seatbelt be uh, in or out? Will you have to drive a certain distance when you're doing it? Because some of them require a moving calibration. Right. There's all these aspects of it that if you know up front and you document it and just think, how much does your customer trust you when you have Honda on the top? saying, hey, this is what Honda says to fix your car right. I'm only going to do it right. And in order to do that, I have to also do this. So yes, we're going to pull those, you know, the hail damage out, but I will have to take apart this door. I will have to do X, Y, Z, but it will require a calibration so that when, when Miss Jones, when I give you your car back, it's going to be fully back whole and you will yeah. be able to trust your safety system. Safe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So like we're, basically, we're really bad with that as far as PD, our PDR industry. As an industry. Well, yeah. Body shop is too. We're moving. I know, but we're Y'all moving suck. way faster than, than uh, paint shops, right? Most of our repairs are done within the same day. And 
you know, with not having to be able to drill holes in cars, which is a big no-no nowadays, mm. um, we have we were having to R and I a lot of things on cars, and we're sending them back to the customer in some case, probably most cases, um, not correct, which is kind of scary. If you took something apart, it's basically every case. In my we were, opinion, at this point, that was, like, is talking, We were talking about the liability side of things before we aired, and and. Um, that's huge, man. Uh, the liability that us as shop owners hold, I think we need to start doing this correct. Um, in every industry, really. Yeah. So for all of the, you know, and with paintless dent repair, maybe we can educate you a little bit, uh, Jordan. I mean, it's one, there's guys out there that'll fix a door ding when they get, when you get really good, you can fix a door ding for in, in, in five minutes. Let's, let's just be honest. It's very possible or a bigger dent in, in an hour. Um, and there, so because of that, there's guys that'll do stuff for, you know, a hundred bucks. Like I have a retail shop and I'm like, I got to take this apart. I got to do this. It's going to be $685, blah, blah. And then they call another guy. He's like, ah, oh, 75 bucks. Come to your house. Boom. Right. So obviously there's that. You can't change that. It is what it is. If they go to that customer they can take liability. But my, my point being, you know, with, with, with that comes more and more, um, we're making more and more insurance claims. I believe Dent Ops was at CIC. Um, I believe I saw that. And then I think maybe Paul Corden was there too. Um, but he, he's been influential as far as pricing in our industry. But all that to say, Dent Ops basically tra transferring our, our system, Mobile Tech RX, into CCC1. Paul Corden with the more and more pricing. Well, we look at body shops and dang near every job in the body shop is, is an insurance claim. Mm -hmm. essentially every job or the customer is just paying four grand because they don't want to make insurance thing pdr is basically that we're basically there ryan like you get a two-inch door dent in the door and you have to pull the door panel off you're right. at 1400 bucks i mean because that, because that of the pre -scan. a thousand dollar calibration afterwards well it's okay that's what i'm saying you're at okay you're at two thousand dollars then because the dent repair sure is 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 three hundred dollars but then all the stuff to get to the dent properly and then put it back and calibrate it properly that's a two thousand twenty five hundred dollar estimate now if you're doing it the way that everybody at cs like the proper way so welcome, yeah welcome to the collision yeah. industry yeah so we're basically there right like if it's you're fixing is, dents at a high level then you're yeah. every claim is an insurance claim if, yeah. if you look at a dent every day okay well i'll clarify this question jordan if we have the ability to basically put a little plastic wedge inside the belt between the belt molding and the window, we roll the window down, put a plastic wedge between the belt molding and the window, give us a little quarter inch space, slide a tool down in there, push the dent out, and then pull the wedge out. Do you think that is acceptable to not, if we didn't take anything apart, we didn't, you know, do any of that, like, do we need to go down the road of, all the calibrations, pre-scans, post-scans, all that stuff. Are you sure there were no sensors in the door? No. Well, <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah. So basically, with that, with your question back to me, which is kind of what I figured I would get, every day is an insurance claim. Every single well, one. Well, not necessarily. I mean, a lot of customers. Or it's a thousands of dollars. It could be. It could not be. And, you know, the threshold for a customer is individual, right? Some of them can barely handle their deductible. And others yeah. are like, I'll go up to five grand before I'm going to tell my insurance. So sure, it will, sure, yeah. that's where I think what we're missing is as an industry, and I, I want to caution the PDR industry the same. 
because you guys are our industry. We are not separate. We are right. all part of the same industry. We're dealing with the same dichotomies, you know. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, the caution is who is the customer? Who is, right? And that's the most important question. Just because the carrier is the bill payer, it's not their car. It's not. Right. And, yeah. and frankly, at the end of the day, if it's a bank, it's if there's a banknote on that car, they're they're the really the owner until mm -hmm the person driving it owns it which is 90 percent of cars or right more. right yeah. so considering who the real customer is and who needs to be educated you know there's a lot of duplicability in not necessarily the vehicle type or the type of repairs no two no two dents are the same right there's never the same collision we say that all the time so they try to you know, the actuaries really want to make this predictable. But at the end of the day, collision is not predictable. The only thing that is predictable are the conversations and the documentations that go back and forth. So it for you guys, I think it would be really a step in the right direction to say, hey, we're going to have this documentation that's generic that we can give to our customer that says, look, yes, it's this tiny little mm, I, I know inch, you see yeah. a tiny little Jordan, dent yeah. tiny little dent but if i have to x it could end up with y you know okay. if i have to take the door apart we may also have to recalibrate your adas systems to make sure that all of your safety systems leave here the same way they got here so i think that there's all we see this with the mm -hmm. shops who are you know not in a direct repair relationship with a carrier we see that the more they educate the customer up front and hey we're the professionals okay the there is not the carriers are not in the business of collision repair they're not they're not in the they're not in your business so at the end of the day i think that what i see as a trend the shops who are educating the customers the customers will have more of a likelihood being completely fine going out of pocket if they trust you if they trust that you you are concerned for their child in the car seat in the back, they care. They, then they know you're their right. person. That's just so define. That's great. Go ahead, Ray. No, that's okay. it. I mean, uh, that's point define point. out of pocket. Like you're talking about deductible, or you're talking about above yep. what the insurance carrier won't pay. You're gonna write an estimate <clears throat> that says, "Hey, it's gonna cost me three hundred dollars to do this this dent work." But if you know, let's let's say that you're pulling apart a door. So now now you are now you're a collision repairer, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're you're as soon as you start dismantling things, you're in you're in that side of the fence. So once once you go to do that, it's it's a matter of you know, hey, we want to document everything. We want to make sure that um, upfront right we want to know hey if this is a dodge truck we want to know what's it going to take to recalibrate if i have to pull the mirror and the trim panels and gut the door all of that stuff and then you're going to give it to the customer up front that's the that is the goal we have to slow down stop take a second i know you guys are in like the hurry get it done mode a lot of times yeah, dude, right? that's so that's yeah for sure yeah. everybody is but it but when you have a standard process you're going to come up and say okay if if i have to take apart anything this is what it's going to be you know and it would be better if you knew before you touched it right because this might be a job you don't want 
Right. What if it's not profitable for you? Because it might be that, hey, if I walk up to a job and I can pull the dents and walk away, I have much higher profit margin on those jobs than the second I open that door up to take it apart. The second mm -hmm. you take that door up door apart, this is just our perfect example for this conversation. Right. Sure. Yeah. But the yeah. second I went and took something apart, now I'm in a collision repair situation that is a totally different dynamic when it comes to the calibrations and diagnostics and putting it back together. And now you're in an insurance claim situation, but you're, Most you're starting out <clears throat> behind because in a repair shop, they're, they're going to schedule that repair plan, right? They are going to dismantle that door and know exactly what it's going to take to fix it. And then they're going to say, Miss Jones and XYZ insurance company, here's our repair plan. Uh, you you let us know if it's good. The car's still sitting there, right? You guys have them in the driveway in some cases and parking lots. And, you know, hopefully they're in your facility when it's possible, but that's not always possible. So well, more, more and more, we're going to retail locations. And then, right. and this is the re this is the reason why, I mean, the amount of guys I can think off the top of my head, me including, although I have a retail facility now, and basically my threshold is if one, if it's an insurance claim or if it's over a certain dollar amount, I'm like, I don't do mobile on it. I just don't, I don't carry everything I need to, to apparently I don't even have everything I need in the shop to do it, to be honest <laughs> with you at this point. But, um, my threshold is high. I could think of dozens of guys who are doing ridiculous repairs that would blow people's minds, um, in, in a mobile setting, taking stuff apart, putting them back together and saying, I don't, I don't know personally if they're, you know, post scanning or anything even you know but i know they're not recalibrating <laughs> i know they're not right. doing that for Which, sure there's still an option for them there is still the option to say hey i've taken it this far but your vehicle is going to have to be step b take it to it yeah, has to go to the dealer it has calibration to be facility yeah but what how yeah. would your customer feel if you did all that they pay your bill and they were like oh i didn't have to turn it into my insurance company and then they show up at yeah. the dealer and find out they have a twenty five hundred dollar calibration Right. Yeah. Are they going to want to? Yeah, who, who are they calling? Yeah. You. But if you all of you do tell them and say, "Hey, my repair process is I do this and fix the dent. I don't handle all the recalibration. My recommendation, it, written down with signatures on it, is take it there. It could cost anywhere from a thousand to five thousand dollars. I don't even know how you quote that. It, it's going to be a lot of money, but it's going to be the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, if you want to make an insurance claim, I'll handle all of it. Essentially, is that? I mean, then. We're not all hand. Okay. You don't even hear like, yeah. No, I'm just concerned at how, like, if you know it's going the carrier route, you'd want to be in on it from the front end. That's the right. thing. That's what I'm saying. If you, it's yeah, such if a you, dynamic. yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Every dent now, it's like the more I think about this stuff and I talk to Billy, Brian, and I talk and I talk to others, every dent's an insurance claim now. It's in the insurance claim numbers. Basically, in my head, that's over a thousand dollars where majority mm -hmm. of people's deductibles are and there they start talking about like oh well maybe i the amount of people i said like oh, i don't want to make an insurance claim and i'm like well let me let me look at it first and give you a number and then you can decide right. if you want to and then i'm like it's thirty seven hundred dollars like, actually i do want to make a claim uh, but yeah. you have to back you have to back that thirty seven hundred up with which um jordan's saying is with acknowledging the customer on why it's going to cost that amount of money because and that's not even that that's know, not even scanning thousands of recalibrations yeah. either like right. to be honest yeah. 
you know but we asked we we asked for this as a pdr industry and I, yeah I we did good because we we're like look we want to get into the insurance world and start yes we're still saving insurance companies money and we're doing repairs in a timely manner and we're saving well we're still saving the factory finish there's still a lot of benefits to paintless scent repair yeah, but i think sure. we have to we have to do the correct repair process i really like the word um repair plan um yeah for, I'm sure you guys use it in the collision industry a lot, but I think we have to have better repair plans in the PDR industry as well. Sure. It's that opportunity to really take that step back almost yeah. and know what you're getting into because, I mean, that's the most important thing, right? Hey, if this is over my head, I don't want the car apart and figure it out. Right. I don't want to hand the keys back to Miss Jones and her go, Hey, now X isn't working anymore. Or now I have this dash light. Like these are the things that you can mobily pull up the factory repair procedures. Yes, it might cost you an access fee, but how much more will it cost you if you take it all apart and then find out, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to take all this calibration stuff. I actually can't put it back together. Or, you know, there's Without all these other factors. Yeah. So yeah. one of one of the things, and I know you guys are saying it um, kind of between the lines, but there are a lot of collision repairs partnered with PDR professionals, right? And that is that is a really cool dynamic because mm -hmm. you know, yes, there are shops who have the the bandwidth with their technicians to train them to do it in house, uh, but there's a lot of opportunity at times for shops to collaborate with PDR professionals and then just you guys are part of the repair plan from the beginning, right? Yeah. And then the shop, to, you know, takes on the calibrations and, yeah. you know, uh, some shops even have their own calibrations facilities now in-house. Yeah. yeah. Do you see a lot of PDR techs in-house with collision centers? I know very, very few. Not but, a lot, but yeah. the higher end facilities, they are doing it. And that's where- well, they're, they're subcontracting, subcontracting, yeah subcontracting at least right yeah that's what most yes. of us i mean we all anybody listening to this podcast i would assume contracts with body shops i would imagine they should to some extent yeah um, yeah that's the best that's the best i mean that's a good spot to be in if you can get retail pricing through insurance at body shops and then not have to do all the others that worry right. who knows if even who knows even if they are but you know you, there's you a don't, debate you don't there yeah, yeah, you don't have to. There's a debate there because even at times the shop will have less headache and they'll do markup on sublet versus yeah. if they're mm -hmm. straight billing, then there can be an argument. But if you handed a shop an invoice, well, that was the invoice. They yeah, have that's, that's, yeah, it's done. Yeah. Do you have an example of a repair plan? I'm like thinking in my head, how do I build a repair? It's like step one, you know, pre-scan. Step two take apart the well, door panel she's talking about do do the research on if if we're having an r and i a door uh, before you know the customer comes yeah. in you take photos and then yeah. we do our research on the back end to say hey if we look up the repair procedures which um could you tell us uh, for everybody listening some ways that we can get repair procedures yeah, is it all is all data one of them i have one way i have well the easiest location for manufacturer repair procedure access is oem onestop.com and that one is a number one mm -hmm. so that's like a plain one website all manufacturers listed it the links go straight to their repair procedures access pages and again not free 
But if you know that up front, well, it's part of your charges, right? right. So yeah. it's like, hey, uh, research should not be free. If you're working on that car, it should not be free. And mm -hmm. that's the thing yeah. that I think a lot of people miss the mark on too. And I'm going to, I know we haven't done an antitrust statement. So again, these are all for your informational purposes only, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're not saying that everybody should do X and Y, but there are, there are a lot of, um, like all data is a great example. Like that's an access right. point for repair information. But it, if Ford came out today with a new repair procedure on a door and you're in all data, it may not be there yet, right? Mm -hmm. There is a, a little bit of a delay, but that is a great resource to have like a one point stop uh, to get that information. But as far as estimating or creating the repair plan, you're gonna need an estimating platform. So that's CCC, Mitchell, um, Auditex, like those are the main three. That access isn't free either. So these are costs of doing business mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. um, that you would need like to consider. Word. Yeah. So, well, it means like, hey, I know my cost of doing business. So this is what my rate is. And why would I get out of bed for anything less? Right. Great. Great question. I'm actually looking at a Honda CRV. My guys took a door off of, and I'm looking at the mirror. And you're like, right now. don't do it. <laughs> well, it, well, here's another thing: is right, a lot of PDR guys. I think OEM1stop.com. Well, okay. we're we're doing this is for a dealership, right? We're doing dealership, and obviously, we know they're mm -hmm. like every other person. They don't want to pay the money for anything. So, how are we supposed to do sound repairs for dealerships like this car here? I mean, I feel like now before we put the door back on, I have to do all this research to find out if it's going to need an eight ounce calibration. Obviously it is because I'm looking at the, the camera in the bottom of the, the mirror. So now their, their repairs go from a couple hundred dollars to maybe a couple thousand, you know, so how do we, how do yeah. we do that? Which is it, so I assume this is dealer, dealer collision center, or is this like, no, a this is car? like a, no, a like used vehicle, used car. Can I okay. add a layer to that too? If that's yeah, okay, you answer all at once. Um, because I went to ask this earlier, you bring a car in, a dealership car that some person traded in, released all their liability on it, then you go to fix it and you're like, shoot, now I have to do it. But you told me also, and rightfully so, that if I pre-scan and post-scan and they're the same, doesn't matter. Um, now, if you pre-scan that DRP, are you supposed to fix all the things that were previously wrong with it up until the point that you touched it? So now the, now the used car, no, okay. I was saying now the used car is like, oh, I took the door off and now there's all these problems. I got to fix them. Well, when did the problems occur? Did you did you cause the problems or is it because it has 60,000 miles and it been in the body shop twice and no one did right. it? Right. Correct. So anyways, if you could answer all that, like how do you approach a dealership that's used to getting dents for $250, $300? And now we're like, eh, you know, you could kill somebody unless you let pay us 2,500 bucks to do all right. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so. some some dealers that here's the scarier scary some dealers don't even know what they don't know about yeah, yeah, the calibrations well, right so and some yeah. of them don't they're not repair have, facilities they, they, right and they yeah. they might not they might not realize hey this you know sales is separate separate from service right they there's like a wall there yeah. they don't even talk so yeah. what you're gonna have to say when you return that vehicle 
back is, hey, this needs recalibrated, or you have that conversation up front, like, hey, we've got this vehicle, we pulled the repair procedures, we know that it's going to need X calibration. Are you guys uh, going to be doing that when it comes back to you? You know, because that's yeah. going to be part of the repair. So right. it's it's all, in my opinion, it all comes down to transparency and communication. Like you mm -hmm. don't make promises you can't fulfill, right? Lawyers never say anything or ask a question that they don't know the answer to. And our industry should be no different. We right. shouldn't make repair plans on things that we don't actually know the answer to. We don't know what's inside that door until we're in there. So that's why, you know, if you get the customer authorization, now, you guys are talking about a situation that's with a dealer. So that's where they're your customer. Customer, right. Hey, guys, yeah. in full transparency, we go to fix this door. If we have to take it apart, it could need a recalibration. Are you willing to do that or are we not taking the door apart? You make the call. Right. But it's no longer a, you, a certified. Yeah. If, if you remove a taillight out of anything that's 2002 or more? It, or... I mean, it, so that's a big broad, we don't that's know. A big broad brush, right? But yeah. I'm going to say, yes, if the car is newer than 2002, three, four, like I mean, you should know. and newer, basically. Yeah. What's hooked on what, right? What, what, um, and the other thing too, is there's, there are ways to pull the VIN and you need to know yeah. what all of the onboard systems are and what the car was built with. So that could change, but you know, I mean, we got here because. IIHS started crashing cars and saying, oh, hey, by the way, mm -hmm. and they just actually released a report and they spoke about it. They came to our conference this week and spoke about the amount of recalibration that is necessary in a subsequent accident. Scary data, scary data. Like that. How so many times have you pulled a taillight, Ryan, and not unplugged it? Just like move it off to the side so you don't have to unplug it. It's because you think that you're not <laughs> messing up anything. Like every yeah. time now, I'll like tape stuff off and just like because I'm like I don't yeah. want to unplug anything, dude. I don't want to like. It's yeah, the, and that's the thing about you guys too is so collision shops have to get even more concerned They're about cutting stuff all the way down. Yeah, yeah, and and you're not putting things back into a heated environment. You know when you're refinishing, like yeah, that's a whole true, nother true. factor, but. True to go backwards a step like yeah. with these dealer relationships you know you guys understanding what the vehicle has and doesn't have and you being able like you have a choice on every job whether you take it or not right yeah. so if you take the job you own the job right so i'm going to go back to something you said a second ago you're like hey i pre-scanned i post-scanned they mm -hmm. match right well you know where you're going to find out how many codes that vehicle has is before you touch it, you pre-scan it, right? right and yeah. not every scanning device catches everything. So, Great. you know, our industry likes to use companies like, um, you know, Opus, AirPro, um, I'm going to miss Autel. a couple, Autel. Like there, there, there are companies out there that are literally connecting the vehicle to a factory scanner. And that is a like, hey, it's $160 or however much it is. Let's there's a number there. And you're mm -hmm. gonna say, listen, in order to do this, I have to pre-scan it and this is how much it costs. But if you find out that vehicle number one had all these trouble codes, already issues, you're gonna go, hey, this vehicle already has, you know, these 40 lines on it. 
they are not related to what I'm about to do, but they're documented now. So that when you do the post scan, right, you're not responsible for everything that was on the pre-scan you just found out on the post scan. So you can't go in thinking, oh, I'll just scan it when I'm done. Don't right. get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry. And if you're going to post scan, you better pre-scan. Because was, otherwise, for me, for me, that was like, that was like my bandaid for now, because there's like so much, like I try really hard to continually learn things and there's so many different things and I can't just like change my business overnight. And obviously that's right. not, that's not even expected. I mean, there's nope. literally billions of dollars being done delivered today that are wrong. But for me, I was like, and I'm telling customers when I'm doing big stuff, like, look, here's my procedure. Now I pre-scan it. I post-scan it. I make sure everything's the same. And now I'm like, there's, something's wrong on the vehicle. Like I can guarantee you that I just did 2020 Range Rover pre-scanned it. There was like 40 codes. It was unbelievable. And like the more and more I do this, I'm like, these cars, like, I don't even know. Maybe it came from the freaking dealer like that. Yeah, it they only had 10,000 miles on it. Frick if I know. Yeah. And so I'm like, just telling, telling them, Hey, I printed out and I put it in their little packet of stuff that I did the insurance things. And I'm like, here's what it was before. Here's what it was after it was the same. I'm like, I didn't make it worse. Like if you, you know, and now maybe as I, that's like the ban I would say like for anybody listening in PDR world, thousand dollars, $1,500 scanner, bare minimum tomorrow, start doing that. Pre-scan it, post-scan it. It's the same. If something's wrong, if there's different and you're like, oh shoot, fix that at least bare minimum, at least. Um, yeah. And then you can try to get more and more, I would say professional as, as I have, as I have you a, know. I have a Maximus 3.0 thing. It was, it was like 15 grand for the scanner. Yeah. Well, good for yeah. you. It, it, probably still doesn't pull, it probably doesn't pull everything off of it either, which is wild. Oh, okay. The, so the OEs do and don't recognize certain devices, right? So they're yeah. going to say, mm -hmm. like, hey, we'll recognize it if it was scanned this way. We won't recognize it if it was scanned that way. But always, and every like, car's different. Always, you know, does your scanner need updated? You can't just buy it off the shelf and think it's always updated, right? Like right. It's no, a you got to pay a yearly subscription for it, and it's yeah. a it's a even right. even even just updates throughout the year too. Just like even oh, when gosh. I got my scanner, my like fifteen hundred two thousand dollars scanner, it's an tell for what it's worth, um, and there was like twenty updates before I even took it out. Of, like right after I took it out of the box, and there's always going to be updates. Um, no different than okay. these guys, right? Yeah. For sure, yeah. But how many apps get updated weekly, right? Um, Man, this okay. I feel like I'm learning so much. So well, I wanted to bring this up. We talked about it a little bit. You got your coffee. Everyone's got our coffee, and you got your fancy I got my Kiko. <laughs> I do. I have my Kiko mug. Well, yeah, yes. Chris will <laughs> love that. Yeah, looks like tea. <laughs> tea. Yes, he will. Um, so Kiko, if anybody ever has bridged the gap between paintless dent repair and body shop, it was Chris and Kiko for sure. I'm actually I'm a trainer for kiko as a contractor so like fly out or drive out then teach body guys how to glue pull stuff instead of welding stuff essentially that's to to make it simple um what have you seen and i know they're attending cic scrs mobile tech expo every regional which is great like for us they're like a representative i'm like come on kiko it's like yeah. kind of pdr ish you yeah. know um and with with the training like i tell like loophole repair gpr can be used to completely repair a dent to finished with the right skill that's not what we teach in a body shop we teach that um we can get the 80 percent out and then make it so that you can fill bondo and and repaint the vehicle 
So you want to how have they changed? For a second? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no bond. Well, go, go back to that after, after well, well, so let's I, I talk about together, the relationship. Like, Kiko, yeah. yeah. And also it's, I, I could say a little longer if you guys can, because we only have 10 minutes left ish. Oh no, I'm and, good. Okay. I'm good. So we, we had, might push a little longer. Okay. Yeah. I had 40. So, okay. Um, I will say, so I'm going to start out by saying like Chris White with Kiko has like literally taken the bull by the horns and bringing, mm -hmm. he was literally, like you said, the, the, the first person to build the bridge, um, so that everybody else can walk on it too. You know, like mm -hmm. just, he's definitely blazed the trail in the very visible national space that I'm in. Uh, he's everywhere. We actually had a fun, um, we had a trade show that followed CIC this week, uh, which was called the Southeast collision conference. And we had a lucid on the floor and Kiko was an exhibitor and somebody ding the door. <laughs> so wow. we had to, we literally drove it through the trade show floor and did it on, on the floor demo, right. For everybody to see, Hey, this is how it works real life. Um, and those cars are tattletales. I'm gonna tell you right now, all everything like Rivians, they are Rivians, lucids. You move that car. The customer knows you turn it on. The, the customer knows right. Right, right, right. you do anything with that car. The customer knows. So that's kind of another interesting dynamic you guys should probably be aware of. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we I work on a lot of Teslas. Teslas yeah. They got, yeah, they got cameras. I see the little screen in the front. Like, and all right, you're looking don't at me. I think cool. they're not activating Yeah, oh, they can hear you. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's sure. a whole nother scary factor. That said, Chris, like like, he, he definitely has brought the industry, um, the PDR side into the collision industry forefront. He's been, you know, making relationships. I mean, I know of myself personally, at least 20 shops that he's worked with and, you know, allowing them to understand what you guys do, get the training, um, even if they are ending up to be like a sublet person. Some people still sublet, even though they do some in-house, they just don't have the time to do all of it in-house. Sure. Like there sure. is definitely... Uh, a lot of variation in relationships, but he has elevated you guys with us for sure. Um, there, you guys have same reputation we do. We're all in the same boat, right? The crappiest of us are the ones that get the most visibility. Um, the people who don't care how they leave the job, you know, if it looks decent, whatever, mm -hmm. I'm moving on. Those aren't our people. Like we want professional we want perfection if, if possible you know it's almost like the toyota way applies here you know there's it's not the one percent that we're looking for it's the point of a percentage like we want no comebacks you guys don't want comebacks right everybody hates a comeback it's like a like you stepped on toilet paper Slap in the bathroom the and yeah. you can't yeah you know it's horrible so you know that's the thing that i think we could impart you know, for people is Chris's involvement personally is not, it's the start, it's scratching the surface, but you guys definitely have a seat at our table um, as much as everybody else does, you know, and frankly, more than some aspects of the industry, you guys, you guys should be there and you should be seeing, Hey, vehicles are changing. It's a tsunami of technology. You guys are touching it every time you touch that car. You know, you sat in the car, you started something. So at the end of the day, really, you guys should know what we know. And if you right. learned, if, if you took the time to, let's 
let's go backwards or um, let's reciprocate the relationship and say, mm -hmm. you know, our industry knows how to estimate properly so that we get paid for what we do. Mike Anderson's a great example. You know, you shouldn't be doing anything that isn't profitable. You can't yeah. lose money and make it up in volume. So, <laughs> right, like you want to be, you want to maximize the profitability of every single job, every single minute that you guys are working, you want to make the most amount possible. And that's no different mm -hmm. in the collision shop, right? So to me, it's more about how can I do this better? How can I set myself apart? Like, yeah, there's those guys that do those things. And I don't know what yeah. you guys use as benchmarks for class a versus like class d but yeah. hey different you know podcast. it's a different podcast that's fair <laughs> <laughs> but we know there are differentiating factors between you no different than collision shops right hey i have all the equipment i have the resistance spot welder i have the manufacturer approved frame bench i have the manufacturer approved aluminum repair area you know i have the tooling i have the training those are the benchmarks we're looking for and yeah. I'm going to train my <clears throat> repair planner slash estimator to the highest level possible because that's where the profit starts and ends, frankly. Like if you don't have oh, yeah. a good repair plan, you're, you're, you failed before you started. So to us, like if I could impart one thing, learn the estimating. If you're going to do jobs that are more, you know, than... Sim the simple dent repair if you're pulling apart anything on that car then you should you should learn how to estimate and you can do that mobily too you should learn how to do that so that if it becomes a an insurance claim hey your documentation your repair plan your everything is already done and it can just be submitted and there it is you know this went from a paintless dent repair to kind of really a collision repair but you could still handle it. You're not going to give the mm -hmm. business away. If right. it gets into beyond your expertise, it really should be in a shop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Bondo thing. Let's sort of get oh, back yeah. to the, you're like, oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Talk about so, that. So, yeah. and I don't know, I mean, based on the, the, the guests that you've had so far, I, I don't know if this comes up often, but it probably should every time. But when it comes to collision repair, especially when it comes to the ADAS, so those radars can only see through a certain thickness. Right. So <laughs> even when you're talking about flexible bumpers, you know, you can only paint them once. The second time it has to be fully all taken off, right? There's no painting twice. Right. If you paint twice, the sensor doesn't work anymore. If you paint over the sensor, it doesn't work anymore. So what you're talking about, you put filler, you know, and then go into the refinish process. If you're doing that over a sensor, Think, how is lane departure going to work through a totally different material than it was designed for? Right. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. And then you've now changed the safety system of that vehicle. And if it gets into a subsequent collision and it's found out, which it has happened before, mm -hmm. we've, it, we, that's we've on you. Those, I think. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we don't bond know, but. So the case in point, PDR is be better. Case in right. point there. Um, even with just the unknowns of where sensors are, what are they reading through? Like, I mean, yeah, the list can go on. The list can go on there. Can I um, add to that actually then? Yes. That makes you guys much more critical. I, right. I, yes. Yeah. 
So well, we, we talked we, about this with we talked. Go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, you already got it. You already know what I'm going to yeah. say. It. <laughs> with Billy, yeah. So we talked about this with Billy. Um, he said, like, basically, was it a? It was a. Was it a Porsche Fender? No, Porsche Quarter. Porsche Quarter panel. He said. He said, you know, put a little, put a little dent in a Porsche Quarter panel. To do that properly, we're talking about fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars. Because to do it, like, you got to take apart the whole thing. It's all one frame down in through the trunk area, all that stuff, blah blah. And so I was kind of probing him pretty hard. Not that he is the ultimate decision maker on it, but like. If that costs $70,000 at a body shop to do properly, like do the right way, like that Porsche, you know, lead, uh, lead repair tech for the manufacturer was there. He would say this, 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 whatever. Um, why can't I charge $15,000 or $17,000 to do painless dent repair on it, even though it takes me an hour? That's right. It's totally different. Yeah. It's but, totally but it's different. Better. But it's better. Well, you cannot so you can't charge for what you didn't do like you didn't replace well, the quarter I, you didn't replace sure. the quarter yeah so no, i agree with you yeah you didn't but who gets um, to make my who gets to make because some I, I could fix a porsche quarter panel in an hour i pull tail it out whatever it, in one hour and i've charged 600 700 800 for that it's already a ridiculous hour hourly wage if you're really looking at it why not why not 15. Because you didn't replace the quarter panel, you didn't. Right, I know, but that's. In. I've decided that's what my rate is for that dent. Um, that I, I mean, that's and it's better. Gonna, it's this is the same thing with Billy. I'm not fraud. saying I'm ever going to do that. No, 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 that's fraud. Right? So I mean, at the end of the day, that's fraud. If you if you are saying I'm replacing the quarter panel, it no, no, means, I'm not saying that. No, no, no. no listen, I'm, hear okay, me out. Yeah, hear me out. So yeah, if I'm replacing that quarter panel. So first of all, it depends right. on what kind of material it is. If it's a restricted part, you, you only certain shops are going to be able to touch it anyway. Uh, right. That's another thing that is out there is yeah. restricted parts. I don't know so, where Billy came up with that number. I'm just saying that's what he no, said. No, no, no. It's, a, it's okay. probably yeah. accurate. It's probably okay. accurate. So there, yeah. that's every day there's quarters that are, you know, 20 uh, Tesla. I mean, there's they're out yeah. there. Sure. For sure. sure. Yeah. So if you're actually replacing it and you're having to either weld it in or rivet and bond it in, if you're having to yep. do the actual refinish work, you're going to have, you're going to mm -hmm. have, um, you know, full refinish, full, all that <clears> stuff. <throat> that's what costs a 15, $17,000 quarter panel. And right, yeah. example, yes, in exactly. your, in your example, no, I'm, I'm doing what I do. I I'm using right. PDR. That's the end game, right? Is that you guys would then get that job. And yeah. be able to bring it back to factory finish. So I'll, I'll take cool. it. I'll take it a step further. Um, and I'm not. I'm not trying to grill you. Like neither of us have the right answer. Um, it's fr so. In your opinion, potentially, could be fraudulent for me to look at the price. So I'm going to say, okay, it's a quarter panel. Like I'm going to get the most money I could possibly get for this fraud. Be damned, customer. Whatever. I know it costs $15,000 to replace this thing. That's really what it needs. I'm going to do it for $14,999 in PDR. It's better for the customer. It's better for the car. The insurance company saves a dollar. It'll be done quicker, et cetera. Um, so that's potentially fraudulent looking at replacement cost and then me doing PDR in equivalent to that number or like close. Like, I'll do, okay, I'll do it for 12 grand. I'll save you a bunch of money, right? Is that fraudulent? Because most repairs that I do now, I quote with paintless dent repair. I'd measure the inches. I add factors. That's how we are 
essentially trained as an industry to do that. And the insurance company says, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Excuse me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, car, car language. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Um, I'm just going to convert it to, to replacement costs and then give you close to that number. And I'm like, I, I don't care how you, I don't care how you give me that number. number. I'm going to tell the customer it's paintless dent repair. So is, is that fraud? Fraudulent in your mind. As long as you don't say you did the same repair, because right. it's right. not the Correct. same repair. You didn't Correct. have to have the same tooling, equipment, yeah. training, especially training and especially expertise training. Yeah. Yeah. to do yeah. the quarter panel replacement. So right. it's, it's really the quarter panel replacement also would take 30 hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're not taking right. 30 hours. Right. So, I, I know this is the same, the same argument with Billy is that like, who you, you said all the way back to the very beginning, we, we have to learn how to estimate and I'm not, I'm not trying to actually make a case that I'm going to charge $15,000 for an hour, an hour of work. I'm not sure. actually doing that. This is like a thought exercise and I did the same thing with Billy. So I figured you have a kind of a different take on it we get to decide what our what our cost is like what we charge as a as a business and if i, I know for sure that that costs that much money and i say insurance come i don't care how you write it just give me thirteen thousand dollars and i tell the customer i'm gonna paint this dent repair this thing for you in one day if you can work that out mr pdr listener it's i don't think it's fraudulent i think it it might be we ridiculous we it's have to justify we, it, I, agree. I, I don't i don't agree i don't agree uh corey with that it's I mean, a thought exercise i'm just saying i know i know everything yeah. that paul corden's done for us in the pricing industry like this is why it's here for that exact reason like granted right. we know the, the car might cost fourteen thousand or fifteen thousand to replace the quarter panel yes. but if we stick with the matrix because we do have factors for exotic vehicles and Correct. all those different things yes. to get the price and justify that amount of money it's just like, will it come out to 14,000? We don't know because we see Paul get, you know, we can't say like crazy pricing because that's the correct pricing on what it's going to cost for us right. to actually repair that. And my, my point, know? my point, again, I'm not trying, and I'm, this I'm not trying to make the case that I'm worth $10,000 an hour worth of work. My point being is that most PDR shops don't charge enough for repairs. And my point being is that there's a lot, there's a lot of room in there to potentially do that so much so that it still would, it would actually make monetary sense for you to get that much money on a Porsche quarter panel. It would, it would right. say it was better for the car, better for the insurance company, all that stuff. So my point being, you don't have to charge $225 for a Porsche quarter panel. You can get $1,200 for it as you should, not 12,000. But that, that's my that's my that's my point in in saying that in my opinion and and every right. car is different that's a, that's like the and I use extreme examples because it just it just puts a glaring spotlight on that particular thing is that it's okay to look at what it would cost in relation to what painless dent repair would cost if that's fair that's right. my yeah point. It, which that so the comparison is in you know, a collision shop's going to give you a really in politically correct answer to that. Right. Like, well, you guys don't know ish compared to what we yeah. do, blah, blah, blah. Right. right. Sure. That could yeah. totally be the way that conversation goes. But to your point, what, what point I think you're trying to really drive home with folks. And this is the same in the collision industry. If you don't know what your cost of doing business is, then you have no business coming up with some rando labor rate that you right. stole mm -hmm. from somebody else. Because truly, you know, if you're just trying to make your pay your bills on Friday, if you're just trying to make wage for Friday, 
please don't affect everybody else. That's, right. that's where it's at, right? Like you are not doing it right. If that's what you're doing right now, if you're just running your business out of a, out of a bank account and you don't know your numbers, you don't know your books, you don't know your profit and loss, you don't know uh, equipment investments, you know, if you don't know what it takes to like pre-save for the next vehicle, you know, you have overhead. If you don't understand what overhead is, mm -hmm. you need to get with your accountant. Mm -hmm. Probably not today because they're all nuts today, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but get with your accountant, like learn these things. Mobile QuickBooks, there's even like other apps, right? But know your cost of doing business and then you can extrapolate out what your hourly rate should be. And that should also factor like, hey, how much time do you want off? Do you want health insurance? Do you want to be able to offer benefits to future employees mm -hmm. so they'll stay with you and be decent human beings, right? right? Like if you if you know these things, then you become the, the thought leader, which I think is what you guys are, are really endeavoring to do is give people that, you know, and, and hey, body shop industry, no different. I mean, right. I'm speaking to them as much as I'm talking mm -hmm. to you guys we say the same things. If you can't, it's, it's kind of like goals. If they're never written down, they're not real. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't work on your business and you're just working in your business, you're, it's, you're going to fail. It's right. a matter Every of PDR tech in the country. Damn near. <laughs> Damn right. near. But you gotta, you gotta, um, budget time. Uh, yeah. I'm going to call it mar margin. You got a yeah. budget margin to really go. Okay. Um, you know, this is my hourly rate, even though, you know, yeah, it might only take me an hour, but do you, do you consider efficiency? Are you doing straight time? You know, mm. are you doing, um, and it sounds like there's a matrix, there's an adjustable, um, pricing model. Yeah, that's we don't out charge there. by the hour ever. That's net, except for R and I. Right. And I don't think there's any PDR tech in the country charging by the hour. We charge by the job. Well, the factors. And that's, that's it's all the factors. Yeah. So basically, we're we're looking at the size of the damage. We measure it in inches, and we add other factors. Whether it be an aluminum panel, it goes through a body line. Um, we have to glue pull it. All the things that basically make our job harder or take longer, we charge for. The reason we do it that way is because I'm I'm a 23 year tech. Ryan's, you know been i don't remember how many years 20 years something like that 15 20 years we're really fast so we don't charge by the hour because then you get punished as you get better sure right so we're we're just a thought right we charge but then but now and that's been great it's been great but now that we're sending that information to insurance companies they're like i don't know you're like we're sending right. them something in french and they're like i don't know what do i care how big the den is like well they I don't can't even know how justify to do that they don't know how to justify yeah. it to their superiors, right? So they write it as they every every single insurance job, unless they one line it, unless they one line PDR twenty two hundred bucks, have, they have rewritten my estimate through our mobile tech RX system in inches with all my factors, rewritten it into into on CCC one into Body Shop terms hourly yeah. rates hourly rates like literally on the Porsche they'd be or, or on the door they'd be like they, they write an hourly rates body labor paint paint material supply like they put all that shit in there and I'm like just so you know I'm doing paintless air repair and I tell the customer just so you know I mean right. this is what I'm doing 
<clears throat> so it's a weird it's thing. It's confusing, and, though. It's very confusing it's on every party yeah. because the customer doesn't understand that whatsoever. And that's the main yeah. thing that she, you know, Jordan's <laughs> talking about is the transparency and the communication yeah. that we should have through clients. But the, I mean, the insurance companies don't make that any easier on us, you know. So how do we come up with a way to to fix that on our end um, with the insurance companies, right? So they're going to write in CCC because they use CCC. Right. So they're going to take what you wrote, no different than if, if a customer were to hand you an insurance estimate, you're still yeah. going to write it your own way. That's how yeah. they are. Right. And, and I will say, and I don't know if you guys have seen this proliferate throughout your industry, but in COVID, and I'm going to paint carriers with a broad brush right now, but I'm yeah. going to say they all collectively got real dumb. Mm -hmm. Right. It, we all saw in 2020, there was a ton of layoffs of really seasoned, knowledgeable, former techs, former estimators, the former industry people that went to the insurance side. They knew what they were talking about or they've been doing it long enough. They've been in enough mm -hmm. shops yeah. that they're educated mm -hmm. by, you know, <clears throat> proximity, let's call right. it. Mm -hmm. And sure. and there's a lot of shops out there that really try hard to educate insurance adjusters and insurance personnel. But what happened in COVID is a lot of those folks went away, took retirement or what have you, and they downsized a lot in their personnel department virtual and then went virtual. And a lot of those virtual estimating companies are actually a third party administrator. I mean, you know, Stephen that you're talking to could start it out the morning as a Starbucks barista. Right. And this afternoon he's adjusting <laughs> claims. I, I that's an actual true story. That storms. Wow. Like literally was like, hey, I'm still at my first job at Starbucks. I'll have to get back to you when I get into the claim system. Like seriously. <laughs> Damn. So guys, Damn. like these are not educated in our industry people. I'm not saying they're dumb. Right. But I'm saying their level of knowledge of our industry really is rudimentary. It's only what they were told in their training period. So the only way it's going to get better and you're in unfortunately you you pretty much have to educate a new person every time because it's not like you know before where you'd have yeah. steve coming into your facility looking physically steve is at that area room. person yeah 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 but i'm going to tell you guys something <laughs> that is prevalent in a lot of states and specifically virginia i know it's true um virtual estimate is great but if the, any party disagrees a physical inspection is required so that means they have to come look at the car. I mean, you guys should know that, you know, mm -hmm. hey, uh, we've gotten as far as we can on the discussion portion of this. I think it's only going to work if you come see the vehicle because you've requested photos eight times and I still can't get you to see what I'm seeing. Right. So, you know, at some point there's a breakdown yeah. and at every point the customer should know. You don't want them to know the day before you promise their vehicle back or you promise to show up and fix that thing um, that, hey, by the way, your carrier hasn't even approved this yet. You know, you want <laughs> like the delay in claims right now is a monstrosity of an issue. Mm -hmm. We have vehicles that have sat at shops for six to nine months waiting on supplements issues. I mean, it hasn't even been repaired yet, you know? It's it's really, really a level of almost tragedy at this point. So I talked you know, to my I talked to my adjuster yesterday too, and he said that he can't even just for not my adjuster, my insurance agent. Yeah, what is it just agent? Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, my insurance agent. He said he can't even get people. He can't even get insurance companies to write 
to write policies on for car insurance because mm -hmm. every meeting he goes to and he's pretty pretty big in california i would say like runs a pretty big and he is the owner he doesn't write policies, but anyway he can't even get him to do it because so over the last three years the amount of money that they've paid out in claims has so far surpassed their numbers that they thought that they don't even want to take in any more any more customers and so i was like dang right. that's wild he's like don't don't switch your insurance company people that come ask him oh can you just do insurance with just my car he's like i don't even i don't even want to do it it's not even worth it yeah. um so that, that's that's a whole different level i know that's more like personal on the thing but that's fascinating that there's very few insurance companies that'll even literally even insure your vehicle maybe that's just california no it's not know. just california it's uh so what what i think is the bigger discussion point here for for your listeners mm. is more about like you did not buy that policy right yeah, yeah. the customer did and right wrong or indifferent they own it you don't own it so mm -hmm. let's let's take a parallel industry of service do you think if you walked into a a ford dealer service department mm -hmm. and said hey my insurance only covers this amount can you do it for that they're gonna say <laughs> yes no they're gonna say dude it's Never. it's eight hours the part costs this our markup's that like yeah. here's your bill yeah. like right is what have, it is, yeah. have a great day right so we as an industry have taken on because we care right mm -hmm. we do care we care about our customers we want repeat customers we want customers that tell other people about us that's the whole point right because mm -hmm. a lot of us don't do a good job of marketing ourselves that's another podcast mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but you know i do really believe that there is a gap in we do want the customer to feel that we do care about them we care about their vehicle we care about their family and their safety when they go back in that vehicle but at the end of the day we can't make it better that the insurance company wrote their policy to make them whole and are refusing to pay that. So there's a lot of things out there and we don't have time for it, but there are a lot of yeah. tactics. There's mm -hmm. a lot of tactics in discussion um, around how to help the customer point them in the right directions. State departments of insurance is a great place to make a complaint and get a mediation at minimum, but that delays the process. Everything, right. mm -hmm. every, everything delays the process. So yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, your customer always has the right to take your bill and go fight them in court, right? Like we have this thing that we feel guilty for charging what we're worth. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we, we shouldn't, I mean, we really shouldn't. We've had just as much training, tooling and, and experience as a doctor and they know how they know what they're worth yeah. and you yeah. know, they deal with mm -hmm. insurance companies all the time. So that's one thing, you know, philosophically and frankly emotionally because it can really beat you down right it can beat mm -hmm. you down every day this fight day in day out um just feeling like hey i'm only making ends meet what's wrong you know i would say most importantly like know your numbers know your business know what it takes supplies wise equipment wise and your retraining everything you can do to invest in yourself should be part of your retail price and and definitely talking to an accountant they have no allegiance to to our industry and who the bill payer is so your accountant's going to give you like the best right insight into yeah. like hey you're going to look at their recommendation of an hourly rate and you're going to laugh <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for sure way higher right 
Yeah. And and they factor profit and you should always be profit is not a four letter word. You know, yeah. profit is the yeah. whole reason why we're here. It's what we it what's what creates legacy in our families. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what creates um, the will to live further. Um, take the next steps, get better, be better, yeah. show up for meetings, investing in ourselves, yeah. investing in our employees and people and just putting that <clears> best <throat> experience for the customer forward. And, you know, I, hey, hey, customer. Hey, Miss Jones. I'll hold your hand. I'll give you what I know. I'll give you the industry recess resources out there, but this is our bill. Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, that honestly, that's that, I think that's a great spot to just like kind of capture everything we're doing. If you want, and I'm going to throw a curveball real quick, but at, uh, if you want to know more, go to CIC. I yeah. mean, pretty much you're ready to catch the curveball. I'm not, yeah. I never, I never could throw a good curveball. Don't think uh-huh. that's okay. But uh, I would be remiss if we didn't. We're both wearing Restore Effect shirts. Uh, a whole different, a whole different segment of the industry. We're not even talking about moving metal around anymore or taking stuff apart or anything like that. Um, so completely different. Maybe you know nothing about this. I don't know, or maybe I, I don't know if these people show up at CIC or anything. Paint correction. Um, the guys that sand, buff, polish, add what's restore effects. Add a hand applied layer of clear coat that is eight microns, undetectable by paint detectors. Does any of that affect anything we're talking about? I know painting over sensors, that's one thing that we could consider, but I don't think in our situation, Ryan, that restore effects or paint correctioner would have any problem, any problem with that. Is there any, is, do you have any knowledge of the space of paint correction or clear coat repair or anything like that? Just enough to be dangerous, but I do know yeah. like that the knowledge of the refinish industry does have as much responsibility to understand, you know, where, what they do could affect onboard yeah. safety systems. That's the only mm-hmm. cautionary, uh, I would give is to make mm-hmm. sure that what you're doing, I mean, you know, I have ceramic coating on my car and, you know, yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of like clear bras and all of those types of things. Like yeah, there's a, a lot. Would disrupt a sensor. Would it not? Uh, yep. Those are definitely a factor and dealers put them on all the time, right? Sales, sales sells it and manufacturers put them on. Right. So So if they're putting them on, that's that's one thing. So it really could be like, Hey, is this one safe or not? Like, you know, what if it was tinted? What if it was whatever? Like, I think that there's power in knowing always ask Mm -hmm. every question. Imagine just logistically walk it through in your mind before you go to do it. And that's like, that's at least one level of prophylactic for yourself, right? Like you just want to, it's CYA here all, all day. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. I'll add to that. Um, I think that a lot, this is a lot, there was a lot of information thrown out there today. So So even even people with the restore effects, or even if you own a a paint correction company or an interior repair company, it doesn't matter what it is. This information is still good for you because if you're working on a customer's car and you notice something wasn't repaired properly, or the sensors are on in the car, you should have enough, you know, knowledge and information to be able to relay and communicate to that customer that, you know, maybe they need to get something checked out um, and maybe they had a bad, a poor repair at a different body shop because you might be saving their life at some point. Yeah. So. yeah that's what matters. <clears throat> well, yeah, this is definitely one I'm going to listen to because when I'm interviewing, it's I'm somewhat always trying to flow it, but there's a, there's a lot of info here. 
Thank you so much. Um, I hope to attend a CIC at some point. Um, maybe when it's on the West Coast. January, <laughs> Palm Springs. Palm oh, Springs. Every January. That's right. Okay, cool. Well, that's pretty cool. That's West Coast as you're going to get probably. Yeah, we're SEMA. Yeah. We're SEMA every year. Sure. That's a, yeah, that's a okay. given. Nice. So yeah, yeah. schedule schedule's always up on awesome. CIClink.com for sure. Good stuff. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. I hope you guys learned um, a ton. If you didn't, you were not listening. Right. Um, listen again. Yeah, listen again. That's it. I appreciate you guys. It's a wonderful yes. opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Jordan.